Welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and very happy that you could join us today. Before I welcome today's guest to the podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our 2023 President's Council sponsors. Now, these are a group of companies that provide a tremendous amount of financial support for the association in large part so that we can continue to be a strong voice for the real estate finance industry before the California State Legislature and our regulators. So help me uh, thank our President's Council sponsors in 2023, who are AmeriHome, ArchMI, Consolidated Analytics, Funding Shield, Guild Mortgage, Incelerate, Rocket Mortgage, and Western Alliance Bank. Thank you all so much for your support, the California MBA. We really appreciate it. And with that, I'd like to welcome today's guest on Connect. Uh, welcome to Anoush Garakani, who's a partner at Alston & Bird. Anoush, welcome. Thank you. A privilege to be here, and I really appreciate it. I, uh, I know you and I have met through our, our uh, Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance Conference, and I know you'll be back okay. there again uh, here in just a few weeks. But I always like to get started uh, asking people how they got into uh, this industry. So tell us the story about how you got into you know, legal representation in the financial industry. Yeah, so my, my story is a little bit, um, a little bit weird. I, I theoretically should have been an antitrust attorney um, by all accounts. Um, so just taking it back, I sort of fell in love with antitrust back in law school and so i was dead set on this is going to be my career i'm going to be an antitrust attorney um, i was um, interning at the federal trade commission and looking to get hired through their honors program to join the bureau of economics doing antitrust work um, however i also before law school i had a background in mortgage i was actually a loan officer i worked in the industry pre um you know uh, recession and so um, that was actually the impetus for me going into law was sort of seeing how things were starting to shake out in the financial services industry around that time. And, you know, like, well, I think I want to move in a different direction. Um, and so I had that, I had that background. So notwithstanding my interest in, in antitrust, you know, I did have that sort of on my resume as uh, experience in the mortgage industry. And so when I was in law school, I was obviously doing you know the OCI and interviewing with different firms and funny enough I, I did a diversity job fair participated in a diversity job fair and started talking to a boutique law firm um, that was in the financial services space and you know at the time being a, a law student that I hadn't done enough homework on that particular firm given that they were a new firm I said well I'm really interested in doing antitrust work and like, well, we don't do antitrust work, but what we do do is we focus on the kind of consumer financial services space. So, you know, I had a really great discussion with the recruiter and, you know, left and didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then a few months later, uh, they reached out to me and said, look, we really, you know, we, we understand that you're interested in antitrust work, but we, we really like the fact that you have this background in mortgage and we think that you'd be a really good fit. And so I went in and, you know, and spoke with them and, you know, really 
loved sort of the, the, the practice. They were coming, you know, up and coming firm right around the time where we were coming out of the recession. And there was a the national mortgage settlement and a lot of enforcement activity was going on, as well as all the regulatory work that, that sort of came out as a result of that. And so, you know, after just hearing more about the firm and all that they were doing, I, I really felt like, you know what, I could see myself starting a career here. And so ended up joining the firm and you know the rest is sort of history as they say. And that, that's sort of why anytime I'm interviewing up and coming law students or lawyers, I always say, keep an open mind because you really never know where the law is going to take you. And you don't always have control over how that, you know, how things pan out for you. Um, but yeah, that's sort of my sort of unconventional way of, of landing in, in the financial services industry. And you know, honestly, I, I think about it now and I'm like, I can't imagine Nothing but love and respect for antitrust attorneys, but I can't imagine doing antitrust work right now. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean that's my that's my story. That is so interesting. I did not know that. And I, so I, especially you know, doing legal work in the in mortgage industry, I think even that short time as a loan officer has probably given you great perspective that maybe your peers and colleagues didn't have. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's. It's sort of unique in that I got to see both sides of yeah. things. I saw how things operated pre-Dodd Frank, pre-recession, and how things have sort of evolved, you know, coming out of Dodd, you know, post-Dodd Frank, and right. and all the the changes and regulatory protections that were implemented as a result of the, you know, the the, the Great Recession. So yeah, yeah. I think I have a unique perspective with that regard. So yes, it's, it's actually proven to be pretty pretty helpful in my in my day-to-day -day practice. Interesting. I know this industry. Once it gets you, you know, it doesn't let go. Yep. Bring, brings, right. You right, brings you right in. So you were recognized in 20, 2021 and 2022 in the edition of Best Lawyers in America on the ones to watch list, uh, which I thought was pretty impressive in the areas of corporate governments and compliance law. So what did that type of recognition mean to you? Well, I mean, I think obviously it goes without saying it, it was an honor to to be recognized for the past few years. And I think what makes it more special is that, you know, you're honored by your peers. And I like to, I think of our community, it's a close-knit community. And, you know, to have your peers sort of give that sort of vote of confidence, um, I think it, it's truly an honor. Um, obviously, we don't, we don't do what we do uh, for, the, for the recognition and the accolades, but I think it just sort of reinforces that whatever you're doing you're going in the right direction and it just motivates me to continue doing good work and just representing my clients as best as i can um but yeah it was, it's been really on well that's very impressive congratulations on that thank you i appreciate uh, so, that you know, look, looking at today's market you know 2023 very challenging time um uh toughest market we've seen in, in many years for sure what do you advise lenders as the most important thing to 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 monitor right now from a compliance perspective? You know, I I think given how diverse our industry is, you know, we all do a lot of you know, similar things, but we're very diverse in terms of the risks that impact um, any one particular industry participant. So the way I like to think about it is more of rather than focusing on any one thing, to take a step back understand your business and to really take a risk-based approach in compliance monitoring to test you know those things that you've those risks you've identified understood and, and, to, and to monitor those risks 
um, because I think those risks can vary from institution to institution. You know, for example, if you are, let's say, I'll talk about mortgage servicers, given that that's sort of the focus of, of the panel I'll be speaking on. Um, if you're a servicer that has a particularly large portfolio of FHA insured or other agency insured or guaranteed loans, your risk profile might be different than, than an entity that's servicing, you know, uh, private, um, private asset loans. Um, and, and or if, if you have a particularly high volume of delinquencies in your portfolio, you might be focusing on more risk related to loss mitigation rather than a servicer that may have a portfolio that's comprised of more sort of performing loans. So I guess the way I think about it is rather than try to pigeonhole any, you know, uh, industry participants in a particular issue that they should be focusing on, so really take a step back, reassess your compliance management system, first of all, um, but then to utilize that CMS to really monitor and address those risks that are most salient to your business. That's great advice. Yeah, definitely, definitely a year of risk. <laughs> that's for, yeah. that's for I mean, I, I guess I, I would also add, um, you know, I would use this opportunity to really double down on compliance and monitoring efforts. And I say that because I think it was just last month, um, there was an article with CSTB has gone on a hiring spree lately. They've uh, hired, I think, uh, they've increased their uh, enforcement attorneys by upwards of 50%, and they're looking to make additional hires in other areas. So I think to me, what that tells me is that's a pretty clear signal that the Bureau believes it's going to have a need in the enforcement division um, and that that's likely going to mean more enforcement activity uh, from the Bureau. And I think we've also seen a similar trend at the state level, where the state regulators maybe sort of they're working their way through some of the backlog that was created by COVID, and we are starting to see a lot more activity and a lot more focus on supervision. And you know, anytime there's a greater focus on supervision, there tends to be an increase in enforcement activity um, as a result. So I think all those things sort of reinforce the need to. Um, Focus on those monitoring and, and testing efforts. Yeah, great advice. That is great advice. You had mentioned, and we said at the top of the podcast, you know, we've got our upcoming legal issues and regulatory compliance conference happening uh, December 11th and 12th at the Irvine Marriott. Looking forward to that event. It's just a few weeks away. Where did the year go? But here we are at the end of it. Uh, can you give us a little insight as to what you'll be covering on your panel? Sure. So the focus of my panel is hot topics for consideration in mortgage servicing. So we're gonna be talking about, as the, the name implies, sort of the most recent trends and things that we're seeing uh, impacting mortgage servicing. So first we'll discuss, um, I think this is something that's becoming a hotter and hotter topic. You know, the CFTB announced that they are revisiting the loss mitigation procedures under Regulation X. And so, and our understanding is that they're revisiting that rule um, or rules um, given the increased focus on streamlined loss mitigation options. So we're going to look at what we anticipate to be some of the proposals coming out of the CFTB with respect to um, potential amendments to Regulation X. Um, for example, um, I anticipate the Bureau is going to be considering potentially moving to more of a hand-raised concept where consumer protections are triggered when a borrower expresses a need um, or, or otherwise requests assistance rather than the, the traditional sort of receipt of a complete loss mitigation application. Um, also anticipate the Bureau considering whether to eliminate the one bite at the apple rule um, and requiring services to review borrowers as many times as an investor may request. Um, and also potentially incorporating within the loss mitigation procedure certain protections for 
limited English proficiency borrowers, which has been a, a pretty hot topic uh, the last couple of years. Um, we're also going to talk about just general fair, fair service and compliance considerations. Uh, for example, whether servicers should anticipate testing requirements, you know, now that the GSEs, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, are requiring that demographic information be collected at loan origination and then maintained um, by servicers. Um, and, and whether such information is even sufficient to facilitate, you know, fair service and testing. Um, also, as I mentioned earlier, limited English proficiency is another hot topic. So we will generally be discussing um, the handling of limited English proficiency borrowers uh, and what, if anything, servicers should be doing to increase communications with such borrowers. And then um, one of the other topics that we'll discuss is um, sort of coming out of COVID. I mean, I think it's, it's I think safe to say we've come out of, we're on the other side of COVID largely. Um, HUD issued, the Office of Inspector General issued a report um, assessing, um, you know, examining whether servicers of FHA loans provided proper loss mitigation assistance to homeowners that were exiting a COVID-19 forbearance. And so we're going to look at some of the findings that were in that report, takeaways for industry participants, you know, lessons learned, um, and things of that nature. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty well-rounded discussion and sort of highlight those things that I think are top of mind for the industry uh, and for mortgage uh, servicers in particular. Yeah, sounds like it. Great. That'll be a great panel. Uh, really looking forward to the conference. We've got some great information to share with attendees this year. Thank you for being a part of it. Absolutely. Happy to. Anish, you have been a supporter of the California MBA as well as the firm uh, for which you know I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I'd love for you to share with our listeners why you choose to support the California MBA. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, I wholeheartedly believe in the California MBA's mission and that the California MBA is critical to the California mortgage industry, which, as you know, is the largest in the nation. Um, you know, I really appreciate how much the California MBA does on behalf of the industry uh, and its members. You know, for example, you know, on the ground advocacy, as you mentioned at the top of our discussion, on the ground advocacy before the California legislature and government agencies and regulators, you know, the invaluable educational resources that the California MBA provides and conferences, webinars, and other programs, um, and just keeping the industry connected through all its networking opportunities. It's been enormously beneficial for myself and my career, um, and also for, and I think I speak for a large portion of the industry, for the industry as well, just having that voice that, that is advocating on behalf of the industry and bubbling those issues up to the top so that they're top of mind for, for legislators and for regulators alike. Um, so I think just given everything that the California MBA has done for the industry and its members, I think it's incumbent upon us to give back and support the organization um, and its worthwhile mission. So that, that's, that's my take on it. I think it's, it's just been really a pleasure to work with the California MBA and just to all that it does and the various facets uh, through which it's able to give back to the community and the industry at large. Well, thank you. We really appreciate that. And uh, Anoush, thank you for being a guest on Connect. And I look forward to seeing you in just a few weeks in Irvine. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you as well. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this uh, edition of Connect. To access any of our past episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time on Connect. Here we go.